Good morning. How are you guys this morning? Yeah, it's a great morning, right? Any day it's not snowing or cold in Buffalo is a great day. We have, we have low standards. Um, if you could switch that slide to I pray with authority. This morning we're continuing our series and praying with confidence, and we're going to be talking about praying with authority. And, uh, you know, I really... This topic sometimes makes me nervous because... When I hear about praying with authority, sometimes my mind immediately goes to those people on television. Right? You know what I'm talking about. You know, the guys that, um, that anything that you want, you know, God will just, sure, you know, just, just have faith, you know, and God will just hand you that million dollars just, you know, because for you, you know, whatever, um, makes me uncomfortable hearing that phrase, I pray with authority sometimes. Especially because uh, I, in a lot of my life, I, I wrestle with a lot of personal insecurity. So the idea that I could walk around and, and pray with authority over the world in the will of God is strange sometimes to me. Um, but I want us to start in Ephesians chapter 2. This is what Sarah read for us. And I want us just to kind of walk through a little bit. See, the thing, that, the thing that's cool about the way Paul writes is a lot of times it almost plays like, a, uh, like Paul is kind of summing up the stuff that Jesus did. Okay? So he sums up the stuff that Jesus did, and then he says, because of what Jesus did, all right, now let's do this. All right? So he starts out in the first few verses of chapter 2 talking about our situation before Jesus. Right? We used to be slaves. You were dead in your trespasses, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. The gospel can sometimes be hard for people to hear because the first part of the gospel is we're messed up. We not only do we make bad decisions, but a lot of times we're not even capable of making good ones. And... A lot of times, the good decisions we make are by accident, right? We are ignoring the serpent. Adam and Eve instead decided to listen to the serpent and choose their own will and go their own way. And when they did that, they became slaves to the very things they thought would make them gods. And that's our situation before Christ. Before Christ... We, we think we're free, right? We, I'm free to do this. I'm free to do this. But we're really not. You know, even people with a lot of money, what happens? Money gets to be in charge now. Well, why did you take that class? Well, I took that class because I know there's going to be a pretty girl sitting in the corner. <laughs> well, why did you give that money today? I gave that money because there's somebody three rows down from me and I want them to see what I do so they're impressed by me. I didn't make that choice. I was driven to the decision by another desire that's in charge. That's our state before Christ. And so, when we exerted our own will in the garden 
and in our own lives, right? When we say, I want to do my way, what actually is happening is we are handing power over to the devil. The very thing we think we're doing, we're, we're I'm taking this for myself and I'm going to be awesome. What we've actually done is actually made ourselves a slave to the desire we've decided to indulge. If you guys, uh, if you like, you can turn with me to Luke. I'm just going to read like one or two verses from Luke chapter 4. And uh, one of my, I'm very fickle about the Bible. Whatever, it, whatever I'm reading at the time is my favorite part of the Bible. So lately it's been the Gospels. I've been like on a Gospels kick for like the last year. And one of my favorite parts of Luke's Gospel is chapter 4 when Jesus is in the wilderness talking to the devil. And I want to just highlight a couple verses in chapter 4, verses 5 through 8. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Now, when people read this, they're like, oh, the devil must have been lying about having authority over all this stuff. He actually wasn't. He actually did have power over those kingdoms. Do you want to know who gave them, you know who gave him that power? We did. We did. That power was originally entrusted to us. When God told Adam and Eve to fill the earth and subdue it, to fill the earth with the glory of God, he gave humans all dominion over all the earth. And then what did we do? We handed it over to the enemy. And so when Satan approaches Jesus in the wilderness and says, worship me and I will give you authority, he's not kidding. He means it, except it's the same barbed offer he was giving to the to Adam and Eve. It was filled with the same poison. And of course, Jesus, because he's much smarter than we are, <laughs> and much closer to God, because he is God. It's helpful. He saw through that. He saw through it. The enemy has authority only in what we give to him. Only what we give to him. Because the real dominion over the world, the real power over the world, now belongs to Jesus, partly by virtue of what he does here in the wilderness. It all starts here. You notice, if you go through the Gospels, Jesus' ministry doesn't start until he goes through the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He goes there first because that's where the real overturning of our situation begins. Jesus goes into the wilderness... And what, what the devil did to Adam and Eve, he tries to do again to Christ. And Christ does what Adam and Eve should have done. And he turns the tables and says, no, I'm going to trust my father instead. This is going to be a recurring theme we're going to talk about. And so in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul is talking about how we used to be slaves. We used to be servants of our desires. We used to, you know, we think, oh, I'm, I'm in charge of my own life. <laughs> okay. But then let someone turn the screws in just the right places and you'll find out how not in charge of your own life you really are. 
Paul goes on in Ephesians. On to verses 4 through 7. Right, so we have the first part. We were slaves. Verse 4. But God in his mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. But God in his rich mercy. You see, God with us, that phrase, Emmanuel, it's not just, oh, hey, Jesus, thanks for dying on the cross for my sins. That is a cornerstone of the gospel, but it's not the whole gospel. Also in there is God joining us to himself in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus became human, right? There's no longer this separation between us and God. There is now a joining because in the same person of Jesus Christ, we have both human and divine together. Not overlapping, not confused, they're just together. And in this person, humanity becomes whole as it's united to its creator. God, in his rich mercy, said, you know, I'm not going to leave you guys to yourselves. I'm going to reach out and draw you close to myself. So close that you're united with me in the same person. Not just, hey, we're friends. You're united with me. That phrase, that phrase, when we talk about marriage, the two will become one flesh. Paul says that he's actually talking about Christ and the church. This is the beauty of the gospel. We have been saved from being slaves. And we are united to God. United to God in Christ. Now, it's tempting for us now to think that God is like our own personal servant. Right? He's like... Um, I, I had a video, but I'm not going to run it. I don't... But you guys, who's seen... No, I'm not going to run it just because of time. Who has seen uh, Disney's Aladdin? Okay? Now, do you remember that scene when Aladdin meets the genie, right? And the genie goes into this song about how, all right, well, now I'm yours now, and I'll just do whatever you want, right? You get three wishes. A lot of times, we want to think about God that way. We'll treat God like we're God's supervisor. God, you are free to use your power in ways that I approve. That is not praying with authority. (laughs) That is being a child. It's funny, my my daughter, she's only two months old, right? But uh, sometimes the longest time in the world is that space between when Emily is almost done with the last worship song and when she comes down to take the child off of me. Because in that time, she is very upset. Now, today I lucked out. She was dead asleep. 
But a lot of times, she is going nuts. And the reason is because she's hungry. She wants to eat right now. And for her, six minutes is like 6,000 years. Because she's two months old. <laughs> right. But a lot of times, we'll act this way with God, right? We'll, we'll talk to God about how we would like him to move in a certain way. And for us, a bit of time is forever. Because we're only going to be around, you know, 80 years, 100 years. There are some folks that have lived 100 years. There's a couple people in the States that are over 100. And so for us, even just a few years of waiting can feel like an eternity. I mean, I'm only in my 30s. So like, just waiting a couple years for God to do stuff is painful. I'm like, God, can't you just do this right now? Like, I know, I know you can. Why don't we just do this right now? And of course, God, because he's not an impatient child, is like, well, John, you're not the only person in the whole world, okay? I can't just grab people and make them all do whatever I want so that you can have what you want. The beauty of the gospel is that we have been saved from what we were to become united to God in Christ, to become who we truly are, but not so that God is our slave, but so that he is our father. And a father, the father knows things we don't know. Turn with me to Luke chapter 11. Like I said, gospel's kick. Get used to it. Luke chapter 11. Now, remember, we had no authority. We'd given it away. Verse 20, Luke 11. But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are safe. But when one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armor in which he is trusted and and divides the spoil. In this this, uh, exchange, you know, the Pharisees, because they are not interested in really knowing God at this point, they are accusing Jesus of working with the devil. And of course, Jesus then says, well, that's ridiculous, because why would I be casting out demons? It doesn't make any sense at all. And then he says this cryptic thing. Well, what does he mean? The strong man guarding his stuff is the devil. And the stronger man who takes his stuff is Christ. He's the stronger man. We serve the stronger man. Now, this is tricky sometimes because we're like, all right, John, I'm following you, right? We used to be slaves. Now we're not. We're children of God because the stronger man has taken the strong man's stuff and given it to us. All right, now what? Great. Let's go home. But there's more. Because, right, we don't live in a terrarium. Right? We're not pets. A lot of times we want to look at God, 
like he's supposed to treat us like pets. Make us comfortable. Give us as much as we want to eat. Let us sleep whenever. Take us out so we can poop. That's our life. Now, I know this sounds silly, but honestly, when we talk to God, we, we act this way. We're like, God, how come I'm uncomfortable right now? Well, did you wake up? There it is. You woke up. I mean, God, I mean if you don't want to wake up, and if you think that will make you comfortable, don't get out of bed. I don't know. That doesn't last for very long either. Then you get weird bed sores and stuff like that. Then you're like, your body parts fall asleep. Like you get up and you're limping and you're like, how did this happen? And your leg fell asleep because you slept on it funny. But a lot of times when we talk about praying to God, we talk about praying to God as though it's his job to make us comfortable. That is not true. God does not exist to make you comfortable. He's not a sky daddy who's just supposed to grant you every desire, right? You've met children who get everything they want. They are insufferable, aren't they? Especially when they become adults. That's even worse. God is our father who knows more than we do. So as we pivot out of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7, and we go into the next part of what Paul is saying, we can get a feeling maybe that we're not, we have not been united to God so that we can just be comfortable. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, right? God did not sit by and wait for us to come to him He came to us. Even in the garden, right? Adam and Eve sinned. What was next? God came through the garden looking for Adam and Eve. God came looking for us even from the beginning, even when he knew what what we had done. He came to us. This is the Christian faith. Other faiths, well, if you do X, Y, and Z, maybe you might find God somehow. Or it's not really God, it's like some force that you become a part of. Or if you impress this God enough, he might reach out his hand to help you. But from the beginning, in Judaism and in Christianity, the God of the Bible is the God who reaches out to his people on his own. Even in the middle of their sin. Verse 9, not a result of work so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship. Now here, here we get to the point of all of this. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, a lot of times we want to treat God like his job is just to get us to say those magic words. I believe that Jesus died and rose again and now he's the Lord. Okay, next And then I'll sit and sing some songs and give some money and hang on until I die and that's it. And that's Christianity. And then we can't figure out why we're unhappy or why we're bored. Well, we're unhappy and we're bored if that's our life because we're not made for that. Because the Bible says we're made for good works. 
We're not made just to sit on our hands and do nothing. And this is not just Paul's assertion. This is from the beginning. Go into the world and subdue it. I give you dominion over the world. Fill it with the glory of God. It doesn't stop there, though. You see, of course, you know, we had not succeeded in that mission. And Jesus came along to fix that problem. And so, on the flip side of what he had fixed, we find ourselves in places like, go to the end of Matthew, chapter 28. I'm sorry, don't go to Matthew. Go to John. Go to John. Chapter 20. Now you remember, in Genesis chapter 2, when God makes Adam from the clay, what does he do? He breathes into him. Yes? He breathes life into him, and then Adam became a living creature. So let's read chapter 20 of John. Verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, we'll get to that in a minute, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. I I can imagine that glad might not be a strong enough uh, word. (laughs) Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. Listen to this. As the Father sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is is withheld. New creation. God breathed on Adam and he became a living being. Christ says, as the Father sent me, so I send you. And then he says, receive the Holy Spirit and he breathes on them. We're alive. We are alive because of the Spirit of God in us. John emphasizes on the first day of the week. He says it twice. A new creation. A new beginning. How did Jesus do this? I mean, is he just like Superman disguised as Clark Kent? (laughs) Right? How did he do this? Through the Holy Spirit. I want to point out a couple things. Well, first we remember the exchange with the devil where Jesus refuses to exert his own will but says what? Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Let's go to Luke chapter 22. And then we're going to go to John chapter 5. But we'll start with Luke chapter 22. Verses 41 to 42. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. 
What's the difference between Jesus and the first couple in the garden? They said, not God's will, mine be done. Jesus says, not my will, but yours be done. This is the trick. The trick. The key. Go with me to John chapter 5. We're just going to read verses 19 and 20. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. Jesus' will is in line with the Father's, is in line with the Holy Spirit's. The key to praying with authority, the key to living with authority in the world, is to align ourselves with God's will, is to surrender our will to give up the old man, to surrender our will and chase after God's instead. You see, it's funny how so much of the Christian life is not, all right, just press this button and everything will be fine. We want to talk like that though, right? A lot of the songs we sing, a lot of our platitudes that we say to each other or ourselves in the mirror amount to just do X and everything will be great. But those are lies. We don't live in a terrarium, right? Anyone ever played The Sims? No? All right. Oh, I got one hand in the back. (laughs) Okay, two. Right? So there's this game called The Sims. And in The Sims, you have like these simulated people. And they live in this little world that you make. And they just do whatever. And they just live their life. And you kind of decide for them what to do. You pick their clothes. You pick what house they live in. You pick what kind of pool they... One of my friends who's a crazy and a little, I don't think I wanted to watch my kid. She put one of her Sims in a pool and then took the ladder out so the Sim couldn't get out of the pool. A little twisted. But if you don't pay attention to your Sims, they don't eat and they, they die. You know, they're simulated creatures. We think that life is like the, like the Sims. That we just move along and God's job is to get us from one point to the next. Just get me from today to tomorrow. But God has empowered us to move with authority in the world and affect the world around us. We're not just supposed to just survive from one day to the next. Now, sometimes we get into survival mode, right? A lot of stuff is happening. A lot of bad stuff. We're being squeezed all around. Okay, that's for a little while that stuff happens. But our whole life is not supposed to be survival mode. It's not supposed to be, I need this one thing so that I can survive to tomorrow. No, 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 no. Jesus says that whoever lives and believes in me, streams of living water will flow from within him. We were created or recreated, if you will, 
to change the world around us. With our hands and with our mouths. So how do we pray with authority? We first train ourselves in prayer consistently to pray to align ourselves with God's will. We spend time knowing God and saying to God, not my will, but your will be done. Because you can't pray with authority on something that you and God are on the same page on. And then, when we meet things in the world, we see evil in the world, we see injustice, we see disease, we move and we pray over it. And it's not up to us after that. We've prayed over what that is. We've, we've talked to God about what that is. And maybe we talk to him a bunch of days in a row about that. And we keep praying. And that's it. You don't have to be a magician. Jesus didn't call us to be magicians. I would be bad at that. I don't have the sleight of hand thing going on. He called us to be people that change the world around us. And so, we have to learn every day to say to our God, not your will, not my will, but your will be done. We don't want to say to God, not his will, but my will be done. That doesn't work. I tried that. It's bad. Don't do it. We have to learn to say that every single day. Every single day. And really mean that. And then as we grow in that, we can speak with authority to things that are happening around us. We can be confident. Jesus walked into some Jewish leader's house and said, relax, she's only sleeping. Everyone laughed. Jesus didn't think it was funny. He was like, oh, really? Oh, we'll take care of that. But that wasn't overnight, right? Jesus didn't just wake up one morning and was like, oh, I'm going to go raise someone from the dead today. Because I'm really God, just dressed as a human. Nope. Jesus had a life of knowing God. Of being one with God. Of being dependent on the Holy Spirit. The work of Christ on earth was a joint work of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It was the work of the Trinity. The work we do here is a joint work that we do together with God. So I want to challenge you. I know, Ali, you hate that word. And I want to encourage you. If you have been thinking about God in terms of, God, you owe me X because I prayed for it, you can abandon that thinking. God owes, us, God owes us nothing. And we can swing to the other side 
and say, not my will, but yours be done. And we can say, God, what do you want me to pray for today? What are you showing me that has to be dealt with today? Maybe it's in me, right? Maybe I'm the problem. Maybe my boss isn't such a jerk after all. Maybe I'm the problem. What disease am I going to pray over today? What, what drowning marriage am I going to pray over today? What injustice am I going to pray about today? God, show me. And then we can pray with authority. God is not our genie, but he is our father. And there is no... Churches, people, a lot of times our imaginations are captured more by failure than they are success. We're good at talking about our failures. We do it a lot. Right? We'll, we'll describe in detail all the things we used to do in our previous life. And then we'll say, and then Jesus got me and I don't do that anymore. Right? That's it. <laughs> right. Well, Jesus got me and now I've been changed and empowered to become an image bearer of God in the world. A man who can use my hands to serve someone or who can use my lips to pray blessing into someone's life. 